Hey everybody, this is David with Between Two Ravens, and we're trying some a little bit different episodes, some episodes with both me and Sean. Sean's doing some solo episodes, and I'm doing some solo episodes. So this one I'm calling Grim the Small Part 3, uh, talking about the idea of fate. In the Part 2 at the end, we talked a little bit about how the myth relates to this idea of fate. So in Grim the Small Part 2, we talked about that Odin is preparing the younger prince, Gareth, that that could be seen as trying to go against fate that Agnar, the older brother, was meant to be king, but with Odin's deception, then he was sent out to sea, sent out to live with the, the troll woman, who could be seen as a, an agent of chaos, or maybe even as one of the Norns, as a, an aspect of fate would be another way to say that. And then episode 17 was Grim the Small Part 1. So we talked a little bit about some of the parallels between the story of Agnar and Gareth, with the story from Genesis 25 of Esau and Jacob. Jacob's deception of their father Isaac, and that story was orchestrated by Isaac's wife, Rebecca. But she does that because she heard a prophecy from God that the younger son, Jacob, should become the leader of their people. While Isaac is blind to that divine knowledge, he remains in favor of Esau. So the situation's reversed in Grimnismal. Odin is the father, but he's the agent of deception. And we don't know why he believes Gareth should be the preferred king, but knowing what we know about Odin, he either wants to just win this contest of uh, mentoring princes against his wife Frigg, or maybe Odin wants to prove that he can get one over on fate. That's the thing Odin does in some other stories. It fits his character. In the end of Grimnismal, then Grimnir is revealed to be Odin himself. After he experiences the kindness of Gareth's son, whose name is Agnar. He's the namesake of the cursed brother, Agnar. One of the things as you read the poem, that Gareth must have been experiencing fear about this wanderer, Grimnir, who comes into his home and then he's, he's torturing this wanderer. And this wanderer starts to become kind of sound like a sorcerer. He's spouting cosmic knowledge. The reason I say Gareth seemed like he must have been afraid is that he pulls out his sword. Uh, seems like he must have been in fear. And once he realizes his mistake, that actually this isn't a stranger who's a threat to him, but it's actually Odin who helped to teach him how to be mentor him as a prince to become king. Once he realizes his mistake, then he's falling all over himself, quite literally, wanting to make amends to his mentor, only then to fall on his sword, quite literally, and he impales himself. So as the prophecy demanded, Agnar will be king, but in fact it ends up being the young Agnar, rather than the elder brother, who ends up being king. So this is why I say it's a story of fate. I can just imagine that there was this prophecy that Agnar would be king, and as you see the way everything works out, Odin's trying to make sure that Gareth is king. But it's actually through Odin's actions that it ends up being Gareth's son, Agnar, that takes the, the, uh, the throne sooner than you would expect. So the question is, about this idea of fate, was it always going to go the way it went? Was it truly the younger Agnar that was predicted to be king? Or was the prophecy meant for elder Agnar to be king? But Odin has this free will to defy fate. Uh, he, he gets the story to go away from fate for a while, but then fate finds a way to restore the balance. So was Odin, in fact, an agent of fate? Was it that Odin led to Gareth's early end? Even though what Odin wanted to see was Gareth to become king, because of his deception, does that he actually lead to his own self-fulfilling prophecy? So the myth doesn't give us an answer on that. The elder Agnar goes with the troll women willingly, it seems. As I was saying earlier, perhaps he's gone with the fates, the three Norns. I think Sean had a translation where it said that he, he went with the evil ones. Um, what other translations suggest that he went with the, the troll woman? Or, and whether they're trolls or giants is often a, uh, just a matter of translation. So for me, this is what this episode is about. It raises the question of, is your fate predetermined 
or do we have free will? Uh, it goes back, there's no obvious answer for that. You can't just read a book that'll, I don't think any one book is going to get, tell you the answer to that. And it makes me think about this Latin phrase, amor fati, which means to love your fate. I often see it showing up in relation to talking about Greek Stoic philosophy. The Stoics talk a lot about how to live your life, what are the right decisions to make. And the Stoic teacher Epictetus describes the recipe for finding happiness in life. He says, do not seek for things to happen the way you want them to. Rather, wish that what happens, happens the way it does, and then you will be happy. So this might be an idea I've talked about on the podcast before, this idea that the desiring for things to be different is actually what causes you to suffer. It's not just that the things that happen are bad, but that you're adding another layer of suffering on top by wanting things to be differently. You don't have control over fate, but you control how you react to it. And if you can accept that the prince you're mentoring is not meant to be king, maybe things go better than being like Odin and fighting it. Don't be an Odin. I think that's the reoccurring theme through a lot of the Norse myths. But that phrase, amor fati, was not actually used by the Stoics. It was actually coined by the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. And Nietzsche said, this was his quote, My formula for greatness in a human being is amor fati, that one wants nothing to be different, not forwards, not backwards, not in all of eternity, not merely bear what is necessary, still less conceal it. For all idealism is deception in the face of what's necessary, but rather to love it. So he says, not only to accept your fate, but to love it, to embrace it. Um, an interesting thing about Nietzsche, he's the one who's famous for saying that God is dead, that he said, we've learned too much about science, that people can't in all good conscience really believe in God anymore uh, in, a, in a modern society. This was back in the 1800s, I think he said that. But so Nietzsche didn't necessarily believe in God, but he, he lost faith in the idea of God. But he believed in love, this idea of loving your fate. He says that denying fate is self-deception. What I would say about that is that's a, a trick of Loki, that Loki tries to deceive you, sometimes for a good end or sometimes for a bad end, but that it, it gets in the, this idea of self-deception, it gets in the way of seeing what is needed to live in the moment right now. So Christians talk about this idea of divine providence, that everything happens for a reason. It's the thing you hear sometimes, you know, told to people trying to reassure them. And in my experience, I find more often people just find that kind of repulsive and repugnant that uh, the worst thing happens in your life and, oh, well, it must have been for a good reason. The way I prefer to look at it is that whatever you need to bear life, that that is provided, that there's a way to get through it. So from this Christian perspective would be to say that it would be provided by God, but only if you know where to look for it. And sometimes that wouldn't be obvious, right? If you can see it and make use of it, then it's there to help you bear whatever happens in life. It would be if you can love what happened, your fate, you'll find the way out or you'll see the opportunity or the opening of how to deal with it. So let me give you this short answer first about is there free will or is everything predetermined fate? I'll give you the, the short answer first and then the long answer. And I'll try to wrap back up at the end, relating it all back to Norse mythology and this myth of Grimnismal. So the question, do we have free will or is fate predetermined? So this is my answer, this is the way I look at it, is that it depends. It depends on what lens or perspective you're taking. If we're speaking subjectively, if you look at what it feels like, if you look within yourself, if the true nature of reality is what we perceive, then we do have free will. We need only to look inward to see that we have a choice to decide between. At any moment, there's two or more options in front of you, and you make that choice right now. Often it's a difficult choice, 
we can go back and forth and go around in circles trying to make the right decision, but then at some point we have to choose, either action or inaction. Even if we decide to, to not choose, to do nothing, that's still a choice. So that's one way to look at it, looking at things subjectively, what it feels like to you when you're feeling it. But then speaking objectively, this is the determinist perspective, that things are determined. If, the, if that's the true nature of reality, looking back at everything that has happened up to this point, there was clearly a cause that led to this happening. And the cause of that had its own cause, and so on. A person appears to make a free choice, but with 2020 hindsight, knowing everything that you know about it now, they were always going to make that choice. Whatever led up to them being at that place in life, all the things they learned, all the life experiences they had, of course that's what they did. So that's my short answer. It seems a little bit like a cop-out, is that it depends how you want to look at it or how you believe what is the truth of life. Is it actually the true nature of reality is your perception or the true nature of reality is everything having a cause? The Stoics have this idea called soft determinism. So rather than just everything's determined and you have no free will, they say that it's not quite that black and white. It acknowledges that there are rational causes that lead up to this moment, but there's that beautiful moment of free choice where you really have to choose. And this is the only reality that truly exists, is that moment. The past is gone, it no longer exists. The future is not yet, it also does not exist. Only now is reality. And your character is built up of all your life experiences. So that's something that's in the present moment, but it's influenced by the past. And this will influence your decision, what, de what decision you make. So that's in that moment, Another thing that's just popping into my mind as I'm reading through my script is that that also then determines what your character is going to be going forward. In any case, wh whether you stop to consider the decision or you abstain from making a free choice and you act unconsciously, that's based on who you are and everything that's happened. The idea is that you do have, that you do have a choice. So the Stoic philosopher Chrysippus, he wrestled with these ideas, with people who disputed determinism in an overly simplistic way. So this idea, other people outside of the, the Stoic school would, uh, they say that things are free will, but they say this idea of determinism doesn't make sense. But he called this the lazy argument. So the lazy argument is formulated in the following way, if I was trying to disprove determinism. If it's fated that you will survive a snake bite, then you will survive whether you go to the hospital or not. It doesn't matter. It was always going to happen the way it was going to happen. Likewise, if you're fated to not survive a snake bite, then you will not survive whether you go to the hospital or not. One of them is fated. Either you survive or you don't, so it uh, doesn't matter. There's no, there's no need for free will, right? On either alternative, uh, it doesn't matter what you do because the fated outcome will happen anyways. So the claim is that this, this argument, uh, that no action matters. If everything's fated, then there's no free will. It doesn't matter what you choose. Do, do whatever. Go to the hospital, don't go to the hospital. The snake bite will either kill you or it won't. But so Chrysippus countered that this is stupid reasoning. He says, at the end of the day, when we get to the end of the day, then we'll know if you were fated to die by the snake bite or not. Or are you fated to be lazy and not try to go to the hospital? Then you're more likely to die from the poison. If you try your best to get to the hospital, then you're more likely to reach that fate of surviving. It is then the nature and purpose of a human being to strive. Unless maybe your fate is not to strive. But that's maybe based on your character, maybe based on things that have happened leading up to this point. Maybe it's up to you right now in the present moment when you have free choice. So this is somewhat still a, a theological as well as an existential question. Whether you want to call it God or forces of nature or fate, has your fate already been decided? Or does God or fate act through you? That is, you're making a choice 
that's part of fate. That's how fate comes into action. So your action to strive to make it to the hospital, that that's God acting through you. That would be a way to say it, whether it's the Stoic God or the Christian God. Or you can ignore the call of fate and lie down. That is maybe a harsh way to say it, right? But that's how Chrysippus certainly responded to this lazy argument. So I said I was going to bring it all back around to Norse mythology. Hopefully that's making sense. I sent us a message on Twitter if you got questions about it, because I feel like it's sort of controversial as well as it's not necessarily just true. It's really about how do you look at it in any case. So I said I'd bring it back to Norse mythology. One way I look at it is this idea of magic. Is magic about knowing your fate, or is magic a way of changing your fate, right? Whatever Odin is doing, I think Sean said it seemed like he was casting a curse on the older brother, Agnar, and that's why Gareth was able to become king, that uh, Odin taught him a curse or a spell. But my question, my question, the thing I think about is whether this idea of magic, is that about knowing your fate or about changing your fate? Is magic something supernatural that goes against the nature of reality or that goes against fate? Or is magic just divination? Knowing the will of nature, knowing your true nature, knowing what fate intends. In the future, I'll do another episode on this idea of divination, because it really interests me and in how it in some ways ties into this idea of fate. So I wanted to read again from Grimness Mall stanza 42. This was one that some of the the translators and the scholars say nobody knows what to make, how to make sense of this uh, stanza 42. It says, Uller's protection, that of all the gods, is he has the first one to seize the flames, for the worlds lie open over the sons of gods when the kettles are lifted off. I just wanted to leave that with you again. That was the one where I, I think it has something to do with this idea of a forge working with, as they say, the uh, seizing the flames, but that's not... Uh, inherently obvious to read that. And the morning before I, we were recording Grimness Mall Part 2, I was reading Viktor Frankl and this uh, his book, Yes to Life, In Spite of Everything. So this is a, he's most well known for the book, Man's Search for Meaning. But this is another book that I recently heard about. One of his quotes, he writes, fate is the forge that shapes the human being. Grimness Mall says that the one who seizes the flames has the protection of Uller and all the gods. The worlds lie open before the sons of the gods that is, us human beings. If we choose to forge and temper ourselves over the coals of fate and suffering. So thank you for listening. Let us know if you'd like to hear more of these episodes where we talk about different topics, either related to the myths or slightly outside of the, the myths that we're going over. We'll talk more in a future episode that we're, we have a plan to take a little bit of a break, take a month off, but we're recording some different types of uh, episodes uh, during that during that time and then we'll be coming back for season two where we get back to kind of what we usually do looking at a a myth and really diving into the myth thank you